Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John and Mark with you, carrying you through. We've got plenty tonight. We're going to hear from Mike Boone. We're going to hear from our pal Wade Smith. We're going to have Indy Clue on. We're also going to hear from the general. we got a lot going on, Mark Vandermeer. But we got to start off each and every night show with our thoughts from today at practice. It was day three. It was fans. There's a lot going on today. Your thoughts? Juice. That's what Juice. I felt. The electricity Not of the Juice fans. Not Juice Scruggs. Not Juice Scruggs. Well, he was out there. Well, he's out there, too. He was out there. But the electricity, the energy from the fans, it was palpable. I saw five, six deep in the end zone, Johnny. I haven't seen that for years. I haven't yeah. seen it that thick, that end of the field. And that's how you really measure. That's the SRO crowd. Mm-hmm. Now, they're covered up as well, too. We've got everybody covered up here at training camp now, which is awesome. But... I thought it made a big difference. The the oohs and ahs and cheers and oh, if somebody didn't get a connection going in the passing game, it was fun to watch. It was fun to be a part of it. Yeah, it was really cool. I I said this, uh, and I'll say this from time to time. I don't think I'm hyperbolic in saying this. That was the biggest crowd I've seen since I've been in the building in 2014, and I wow. don't remember. Now, there was a, there's a couple-year gap where I was doing overnight shows, so I wasn't out there for those because I was <laughs> trying mm-hmm. to sleep because I had a show that night. Um, I remember it being packed, but it hit me at about uh, – it was probably about 9-ish, 9-ish, 9-15. Yeah. I looked down towards the north end of the stadium where the, sta- the SRO crowd, like you said, and I could see – there usually is, there's a pathway that you walk up to go to the bleachers. Well, at the end of the bleachers, when you're going into the end zone, that's where all the, the people couldn't move. Yep. It was like seven, eight deep. Yep. I'm like, man, it was wild. So I, I liked hearing him get excited. I think the first thing I got excited about was when Case Keenum let fly to Alex Bachman down the field. And you just feel that crescendo. It's a deep ball. And they're like, oh, and Bachman made one heck of an effort. And he laid out, and this is what I love about our fans. He lays out, he doesn't make the catch, and they get up. He gets up, and they're clapping for him because yep, he just that showed. Okay. It's like great effort. It, yep. was, it was great effort. Um, so it was th- that juice that the fans provided. And, you know, they'll be they'll continue to provide for how many more joint, uh, how many more fans practice? Seven, Seven I believe. Right, yes. it's eight in total. Um, so they're going to be out there, and they're going to see some some good stuff. Overall, offense, defense, I still think the defense is ahead. Some guys got veteran rest days. Jimmy Ward got a, a veteran rest day. Um, so Eric Murray got some some time back there with Jalen Petrie. I just feel like this defense is dialed in still, really yeah. dialed in, and we'll see what happens when they get the pads on. But I just feel that group is ready to unleash. Well, without pads, correct me if I'm wrong, if the D puts forth more effort on the line or a little bit extra mm. – they're going to have some tremendous advantages in this non-padded 11-on-11 right. work. That's true. The other thing that you and I are talking about, and it's notable, is that they haven't done 7-on-7s yet or just the last couple of days? They haven't done it. They did it the first day because I remember scrambling over there to see the end of 7-on-7, but they haven't done it the last couple of days. I find that interesting. I think they probably feel like they need more team work yeah. and the benefits are there. Uh, they'll probably do more seven-on-sevens as camp continues. They do the individual stuff. That's good. It, it's so hard. And this time of year in training camp, if your offense, I'll say it again, I say it every year, if your offense is torching your defense, 
you suck. You're not going to be good, okay? You're not going to be good on D. If your offense is that far ahead, I don't care who the quarterback is. It should be tough to get the timing because the defense has a lot of advantages in that they're trying to take you apart while you're trying to put something together with timing and precision. So let's see where it is a week from now and then preseason one and the rest of it because you play, what, six weeks from this weekend. Six weeks from Sunday, you're playing the Ravens. You got some time to get ready, yeah. but that's why these guys keep talking about get 1% better every day. Did the offense do that? They probably have some nuances that they see where they got better 1% or whatever they want to get better at, but it's not there yet. And it won't be there for a little bit because if it was there, I think the defense would be in big trouble. And I think this defense, Johnny, I'm not going to give you a ranking, but it was at the bottom of the league or near it. in so many categories last year, I think that they have a chance to get, Top two-thirds, maybe middle of the pack this year. I think they're going to rise that much in their rankings. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if this defense keeps up what we've seen, then they're going to make, they're going to make it difficult uh, for teams to run on them, and that was, not, that was easier for teams last year. I mean, everything had to be right. You had to have Grenard in the field set in the edge. You had to have Malik in the middle. If either one of those were out, or God forbid both of them were out, teams ran and did, you know, a lot of times what they wanted. So it's a, it's a group that can be physical. Uh, I think they've, they've shown that. They're not afraid to be physical, and I think they'll do that. Hassan Ridgeway is adding a lot to that group. I'm, curi- I'm, I'm super curious to see what Sheldon Rankins can bring to it um, when you throw him in a mix. But I think you've got something on the defensive side of the ball. The offense, offense always takes time. It always it takes time. You're dealing with young quarterbacks still. I mean, Davis is only in his third year. CJ's a rookie. Um, Case Keenum is in gunslinger mode. I mean, he's just – that's what I call it. He's gunslinger mode. It doesn't matter what he's looking at. He's firing. He got three reps in that in the first team drill. The first two he had to hand off. So mm. the third one I was like, okay, he's throwing this sucker deep. And yeah. he did. He threw it deep. Um, he's in gunslinger mode. It's kind, of, it kind of fun to watch too. But the offense did some work against the blitz today. Defense showed a number of different blitz concepts. Sometimes showing a lot of guys, bringing a lot of guys. Sometimes showing a lot of guys, dropping a lot of guys. Um, but they did a lot of work against the Blitz. And there were a couple of moments against the Blitz where CJ beat it um, in particular. Davis had a really nice play on a bootleg. Mm. The defensive ends have really kind of sniffed out the bootleg. Like they can, they've got a good feel for it. Jacob Martin's always had a good feel for it. But on this particular play, I can't remember who the defensive end was, but he went right to Davis. And as soon as Davis turned around to boot, defensive end was right there. So Davis has got to turn and throw. And he found Eric Tomlinson, completed it, got five, seven yards out of it. And instead of being a sack for eight, ten yards, I mean, that's a – I mean, it's massive. Yeah, it's five to seven yards, but it could have been a loss of eight. Positive. Or more. So it's positive, and you're exactly right. So there have been positive things from this offense. We'll see what the pads do. Because what the pads do is they slow down those linebackers a little bit. Those linebackers, you know, they like we're going to take a half step back. We know we're going to play the pass. We're going to get in position. But now you put the pads on. It's like okay, now now it's for real. Now you got to respect the run. So maybe those bootlegs aren't are a little bit more successful. Uh, maybe the play action draws those linebackers in a little bit more um, because you have to respect the run once the pads go on. So that to me is going to be interesting how it goes on Sunday with pads. Yes. We cannot wait for that. And we'll be off the air on Sunday, but we'll be doing some content work anyway. And Monday back on 
at 8 o'clock, and we're all eager to see how the passing game continues to develop. And you mentioned nice throw by Mills, nice throw by CJ today to Tank Dell, who made a move. Tank Dell kind of <laughs> slipped, yeah, but then he got up, and the DB, I forget who it was over there, still couldn't get to him. Yeah, Just slipped and still got by the player for significant yak, and that's what Tank Dell can do for you. I know there's that one throw that CJ threw where the ball kind of slipped out of his hands yeah. and it quacked a little bit. Uh, not a jump ball guy, Tank Dell, but they'll find ways to get him the football. I think no one has the identity yet in this passing game. I it's think a great Dell, way of putting it. Dell is developing what that's going to be for him. Right. I think we know who Nico is, but how he fits into this offense with this quarterback or these, whatever they do, we'll see. Schultz, though, it's clear what he can do. There's a clear identity. There's a brand to what he does as a tight end in this pass-catching game, and that is going to be terrific because, look, he could end up leading the team in reception yep. somehow. You know, it could be that kind of year where you're running the ball well. Here's the positive scenario in him possibly doing that. You're running the ball great. He just happens to be the leading receiver because the rest is this ensemble. Right. It's a band. It's not a lead singer, right? right. It could be that way. It doesn't mean the other guys are no good. Right. It's Wu-Tang. You have, you have 35 catches here. You have 40 catches there. You have another 45 over there. But Schultz has 55, 60 and leads the team because right. it's all spread out. I'm not saying it's going to be that way, but it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very much a possibility. It's very much a possibility it could be Wu-Tang. Nobody stands out, but they're mm -hmm. like nine guys that you can rely on at any one I went Fleetwood moment. Mac, which is a more dated yeah, reference, right. but a lot of people understand that yeah, one. I mean, Wu-Tang right now is a dated reference, but at least they've made their way back, and that, that's fine. You respect the Wu-Tang, and we respect Andy Kalu. And he joined Mark and I this morning. Let's take a listen. The Texans' new preseason game analyst for TV, Andy Kalu. Because right now we have a Texans Legends community member, a bunch of legends in the building here today. We wanted to get this guy in the air to talk about what's happening here. Andy Kalu. Hello, sir. What's going on? How y'all doing? We're doing great, and congratulations and welcome, Texans preseason TV broadcast crew. We're so excited to have you. Uh, I'm pumped to be a part of it, pumped to be a part of this. And y'all know football's the first love. John, that's why I always like listening to you because you really talk about the guys in the <laughs> trenches and yeah. appreciate that. So, you look, if y'all want to talk offensive line, don't let me stop you because yeah. <laughs> uh, they're, they're near and dear to my heart as well. But, nah, this is awesome. I haven't been to practice in a couple of years now and to see all my many of my former teammates here in the tent, it's it's a fun, fun event right now. Andy, at that point, can you actually talk positively about offensive linemen or do you get kicked out of the D-line club for doing it? No, because I've been retired now for, you know, okay. close to 15. Yeah, it's, it's, okay it's like after the 10-year mark, okay. you could uh, <laughs> you could acknowledge them as human beings okay. after the 10-year mark from retirement. So, Andy, I saw this, this on Twitter. Omar Kelly, who has covered the Dolphins, and he tweeted, I've been covering football or covering the NFL for 20 years. I've never seen this, and it was a couple of D-linemen across from one another, and they were just throwing hands. I mean, it's something you see at every single training camp. And it got me thinking, first of all, what's he been watching? Yeah. Secondly, it got me thinking about defensive linemen and hands. We talk about their size and they move. How important are the hands for these guys, especially on a defense like this where you're getting upfield, you're disrupting? How important are hands to the whole mix for a D-lineman? See, John, that's why you're so great at what you do. You, you, you ask the real questions. The hands – look, there's a lot of guys that are 6'3", 6'4", 280 pounds that can run a 4840 that, yeah. that are freaks of nature. But if you can't knock hands down, if you can't knock the offensive lineman's hands down so you can get to the path, uh, get on the path you need to get onto the quarterback, it, it doesn't matter how big, how fast, how strong you are. 
that that's huge. I would I don't want to put a percentage on it, John, but I would just say that if you don't have the hands, you won't be successful in the NFL right. because as fast as some of these guys are, you're not that fast to just blow by an offensive lineman every snap. Right. Andy, you played on three teams, Eagles, Washington, the Texans. You played for 12 years in this league. Johnny broke down the D-line on this squad yesterday. A lot of guys. You need a lot of guys. I mean, you don't always start, but you might be part of a rotation. How important is that rotation and depth up front on the defensive line? It's huge, like you said. Now, you need one of those guys to to be the guy. You you know, for (laughs) me... In Philly, it was Hugh Douglas. And I'm not saying the rest of us were slappies, but you yeah. need, you still need to have, like, one of those guys. And obviously, Will Anderson is supposed to be that individual. But you need to have fresh rushers. It, it's, when an offensive lineman has been battling out with uh, a defensive lineman for eight, nine plays in a row, then some fresh young guy comes j- trotting on the field <laughs> to give him another set of moves and uh, a fresh get-off. That's so important. So, I would say, realistically, you want everyone to make the team. You want everyone to be a star. But if you have, like, six guys that you say he can rush, whether it's a five technique, seven technique, nine technique, I think that that's what you need for success, at least five to six guys that can truly get after the quarterback. And what does that mean? That means you're not going to have the J.J. Watt stat of one guy having 22 sacks. But if you have five or six guys and they have between five to 12, 13 sacks, to me, that's a big deal. And you don't know which guy you should double. You're not totally sure how you should game plan for him. I mean, that that just because I mean, because obviously, you play with JJ. Everybody knows JJ's getting doubled. He's getting tripled. All right, so the guy's got to step up. That's cool. But if you've got it across the board, then you can mix and match. You can move some guys inside. Indy, this gets thrown. This these words I'm about to say get thrown around all the time. I don't think anybody ever says the right way how. Stop the run. You gotta stop the run. What's the most important thing for a team to stop the run? Gap integrity. And that means the defensive tackles, the nose guards, they have to be in the right gap so your middle linebackers can make those plays. So your outside linebacker, if he has C to Alley, he doesn't have to worry about what's going on in the B gap because he knows that his defensive lineman is securing the gap and they have that gap integrity. It's not just about, oh, you're you know, filling the positions, not having enough tackles. You need certain guys to be where they're supposed to be so your middle linebacker can go make those plays. What about the preseason, ND? You're going to be doing these games on Texans preseason TV. How important is it for the different levels of the depth chart? Some guys are established starters, but this team is relatively young. I don't think anybody's that established. Laramie's established. But can you speak to that a little bit, the importance of what's coming up here? For, for these guys, it's huge because whether we like it or not, they're building something here. Unlike some of the, like the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, where you have 90 guys report to training camp. In reality, those 90 guys, they're, they're fighting for about 10 spots, if you know what I mean. You've know, yeah. you got about 40 guys that out of the 53 who make the roster, you have about 40 guys, no matter what happens, they're going to make the team. So with the Houston Texans, I mean, you're going to see undrafted guys make a name for themselves and maybe make the squad. You're going to see late draft picks have an actual shot at making the team. So especially with the young team, Mark, I think the, the, the preseason, what we're seeing here today, the actual games, it's going to matter more for the individual making the team than with some of these established teams. Indy, when you're out at training camp, do you ever have that moment kind of you get a shiver through your body where you kind of recall two days <laughs> and being out for two practices of this heat? Because you played high school in San Antonio, you played college at Rice, and then you played training camp here. But I would imagine during that time frame, you went through two a days. You went through a lot of two a days, whereas now they're only going through one practice, but they got a lot of other things. 
you kind of have a little shiver that you go, oh, my God, thank God I'm not doing two days today? You know, it's funny you say that. It's not even when I'm here at the facilities. When I wake up and it's 8 o'clock and I'm outside and it's already humid right. and you smell the dew from the grass yeah. and you're like, thank God I don't have to go out there and practice. <laughs> but, like right now, watching them stretch as a team, yeah. it, as corny as it may sound, I actually kind of miss that. Like just yeah, seeing man. them all together as one, stretching, getting ready to go grind together, yeah. you, you, you miss that. Well, that's a great question, and we're – leads into a great question legends community members you're with the guys here today and you guys have the camaraderie but it's not the same is that the first thing that goes and is that the toughest thing to adjust to when you retire that you don't have that locker room every day to go to if you ask 20 guys that have retired what do you miss the most 15 or more i don't want to exaggerate because i was going to say 19 but 15 or more are going to say the camaraderie it, mm-hmm. the locker room like for me the coming home from an away trip, as weird and specific as that may sound, coming home from oh, yeah. one that you win actually, but yeah, coming yeah. home from an away trip, I just miss that. Like you just yeah. miss that. Um, you, you know, Mike Quinn is here, former quarterback. If you look at us, you probably think they don't have anything in common. But every time I see him, I hug him like he's my brother. We actually never even played together with the Texans, so that camaraderie. There isn't anything like it, and you know, not to get too dark. That's why so many guys have issues after they retire yeah. because they're trying to fill that that void of the camaraderie and it's, you just can't. Yeah, fill it with something. I'm, I know you don't want to speak for the Texas Legends community, indeed, but we're going to let you speak for the Texas Legends community. <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's is head coach. What does that mean not only to this organization but also to y'all's group too, somebody that's actually played, you played with, all that. What does that mean to have D'Amico here as head coach? It words came. I've been thinking about how can I best describe what it means to us. It's, and I guess I'm showing my age. For us, a lot of us, me, Travis Johnson, Robert Smith, it's like a little brother yeah. who, who got the gig. So we're overly protective. So I'll tell you right now, I'm probably not the best person to talk to when it comes <laughs> to, hey, how do you evaluate the coaches? Because, man, they're great. You know, yeah. they're, they're doing a great job. But and it's not just because we played with him. It's because of the type of person he is. I mean, I've played with some guys. If you said, hey, they're the head coach for the Houston Texans, I'll be oh, good for them. But with D'Amico, it's, it was kind of emotional when I heard yeah. because he's such a great guy. No matter what he does, you're going to be rooting for him. I mean, they, they nailed it. And, and not just because he's smart, not just because he's a great leader, not just because he's a, a good, strong person. He's also very sharp. He's going to be successful as the head coach for the Houston Texans. Andy Kalou joining us. He's part of the Texans preseason broadcast crew with Kevin Kugler, Drew Doherty on the sideline. I know Johnny's going to chime in as well on the Texans TV broadcast that begin August 10th at New England. Andy, I know you're still involved with Rice. You're an owl alum. Yep, there it goes. (laughs) And tell us, a lot of talk about UH and the Big 12, but what's going on with Rice that the people need to know? that we're going to beat University of Texas to open the season. We got nice. UT, and we're going to beat them. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we beat them already uh, not too long ago, back, what, 94? Was that, is that a long time ago? Uh, it's you know, yesterday. Yeah, it was like yesterday. Our, so we'll our, on-site, our on-site uh, guy, one of our best fans, Rare Ball, is like, no, he's a big Texas fan. So he's okay. like, nah, yeah. said, look, he's got a Texas bracelet on. So <laughs> they're going to get good, good words from him. But but I will say this. Uh, with my, what I would say, quote-unquote, real job, my real estate company, we have four rice into Turns. Uh-huh. And I remember after their first day, I told my wife, like, this this is what it means to be a rice owl. I mean, the dudes are so respectful, so sharp. We give them a task in the office, and what they come back with, I'm, it just blows me away. And I'm like, wow, can we hire you full time? Because uh, that, that's what it means to be a rice, you know, student athlete. It, it's 
when you meet these guys and gals, especially the, the female athletes, you can't help but root for them. Because in a day where, and I'm all for NIL, I'm all for, you know, giving these college athletes every and anything they deserve. But in a day and age where it's about how much money can I get, uh, you know, the facilities to meet true student athletes. Like, if, even if you're not from Rice, go support them because what you're watching out there are true student athletes. That's terrific. Uh, you mentioned the real estate company. You and I were on this summit with Amogee Bank, and we were talking yeah. about business in Houston, and you told some good stories. How did this come into play for you? Because clearly you've been a huge success so far. How did it all start? Just give us a little taste of that, how you got into it, Andy. I never expected to play 12 years. So every <laughs> offseason I was like, okay, I got to get ready because this is probably going to be the year I get cut in. So <laughs> even as a teenager, something about uh, buying dilapidated homes and fixing them up, it, it was it was just always something that interests me. So that's how I got started, and that morphed into buying apartments uh, every other offseason. Then after getting all the licenses and certifications, you know, we created uh, an entity where we managed our properties, other people's properties. Then that morphed into lending, so we do more private lending. So just kind of just uh, the trajectory of once you get into real estate, there's so many different avenues you can go in. And, again, not to pump up rice, because I ain't the sharpest guy on the tool, but the people around me from rice, <laughs> they are, and they're the ones who've kind of put me in position to be able to do what we're doing in the real estate world right now. Sounds like you're busy. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> the cool thing, the office—you can see it from here. So, oh, nice. I'm going to be sweaty and funky, but I can go right back to my office after oh, nice. practice. One more for you. You're going to be hosting the Texans OGs podcast already. A couple in the can. We're going to release the J. Joe episode Ooh, this nice. weekend. You talked to Jonathan Joseph. He's out here as part of the Bill Walsh Fellowship coaching program. What about that podcast? And what are your expectations and goals? fun fun and informative uh you know we'll have uh travis johnson on there uh a lot of wade smith and, and we're just gonna chop it up and talk football uh i want to get john harris on because I've, I've always admired him from afar just the way he really breaks down the game like a coach like a guy who went to an ivy league school but still has fun with it so just uh informative having fun sometimes like a radio show I used to do, you know, in a different universe. Yeah. I, you know, did I know. a great job. <laughs> but, but we just sometimes we might end up talking thirty minutes about, hey, what's your favorite hype music to get yeah. ready for for a game? So yeah, just just fun. That, that's fun and informative and talking fo just football. Those are great topics always. Andy, thanks a lot for being with us, and we're looking forward to the preseason TV broadcast. Thanks for having me. Love it. Love Andy Kalu on the team. That's just awesome. It was great to catch up with Andy Kalu. This morning, next, we're going to catch up with two guys, one a legend, Wade Smith, one on his way. It's Mike Boone. We caught up with Wade. I caught up with Mike Boone. We'll have those for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. Welcome back to the show. Got a day off tomorrow and could use it. Could really, really use it. I've been a little bit busy lately as i just texted my wife she's like hey have you done this you done this i'm like babe i've been a little busy you know you got training camp going on check out my youtube page at j harris football takeover um check that out i've got a football takeover show i've been doing three times a week hopefully I get to the season i'll be doing it five times a week so you could check that out uh amongst other things footballtakeover.com but uh i've been doing it on both sides here with the texans and then with my stuff so Hopefully you enjoy. And one of the things I got a chance to do today was catch up with Mike Boone, McClenny, Florida, Baker County High School. Now, that matters to me because Baker County is a school 
very close to where Episcopal was, where I coached way, way back in the day. Now, I'm well older than Mike, so I was actually coaching, I think, before he was born uh, at Episcopal, but I missed him. But I know that part of the country. I know the people from McClendon, they're good peeps. Mike Boone, good peeps, a good running back. I caught up with him today. Oh, man, here we go. Another day of training camp with a day off tomorrow for the guys. And I'm here with Mike Boone. Now, Mike, I asked this question of everybody coming off the field. You're from McClendon, Florida, so you know humidity. But I got to ask, the heat, humidity, how's it been? Yeah, man. Hey, I'm from Florida, but that still don't mean nothing. You know, when that, that heat get on you, it's on you, dog. It's, it's like sometimes you feel more hot than tired. You know, that's the, that's the battle to get over, man. But... You know, it's not going nowhere. You know, all we can do is get used to it, use it to our advantage. Yeah, no doubt, use it to your advantage. Use your pads to your advantage. On Sunday, you put the pads on. What does that mean for a running back, for you, when you put the pads on? I saw you, I wrote you up the other day uh, for a really nice, you recognized the blitz and you got where you need to be. That's one thing, and that's a big thing, but now you put the pads on. How important is, you know, all the different things that you got to do? What's the most important thing when you put the pads on that you got to kind of worry about and focus on? Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, I understand we're going against our teammates, but as a running back, you got to set the tone. You know, you, you, you got to deliver the blow, be the hammer, not the nail. You know, that's how I look at it. Um, just, you know, setting the tempo and, you know, getting, getting used to banging again, man. It's, it's kind of fun. You know, you got, you got to live for it, especially at our position. Yeah, no doubt you got to live for it because you take a lot of hits and they pile up over the career. So how do you keep your body in shape, Mike? How do you handle all those hits that you got to take, that you have taken thus far through your career? Yeah, man, you kind of uh, try not to take on too many head-on blows. You know, that, that that's a trick. But, uh, you know, the, the real importance is how you take care of yourself outside of the field, man. You know, you got to get your rest, hydrate, recover, get your massages, man. You know, bring your body back to 100 uh, with your diet and, you know, what you fuel your body with, man. So that's that's super important, just as, just as much as um, – knowing how to deliver a blow and how to take a blow, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Mike, for fans that haven't had a chance to see you, your first year with the Texans, for fans that haven't seen you play, what do you bring? I've seen you play a lot. I see the shiftiness. I see you catch the football. I saw that angle route you got on that blitz. That was really nice today. But what have the Texans gotten with you, and what do you want to show the fans? Yeah, man, uh, it's firepower here. and. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to just add to what we got here, add to the firepower we have here, man. I like to consider myself a versatile back. You know, uh, if you need me to be a pass protector, I can I can protect the quarterback. If you need me to be a one-cut back, score a touchdown, 80-yard touchdown, you know, I can do that. So um, I just try to bring versatility, competitiveness, and, um, you know, um, one-cut, decisive back, man. I want to talk about your running back room because for years the room has changed. It's changed, it's changed. Even last year, Damian's added to the mix last year. But the room's totally different. Motor's in there. You're in there this year. You know, Dari's been in there a few years. What's that running back room like when you guys are in there getting ready for meetings and Coach Barrett, who's been around? What's that, run, what's that running back room like to be in there? Man, listen, it's, it's, it's wonderful, dog. Uh, you know, DB does a great job with making sure we're prepared, making sure we don't have questions so we're able to play fast and play free and be ourselves. man. He does a wonderful job preparing us. And like you said, we just got a good mix of backs. You know, we got a one-year back with X. Um, DP, you know, he's going he's going into his second year, cut on the tape. You see he's a baller. Um, you know, you got a uh, Dokes. And, uh, you know, you got me, Dare, and um, and Motor. You know, so it's a it's versatile. Um, it's a little bit of experience. You know, a lot of personality, you know, from the younger guys in there. So, man, I, I love the room. Great room, great atmosphere, dog. Have you ever turned to one of your teammates and go, man, what did Damien just say? 
you know, I'm. He talks so fast with that did, accent, and it goes. To his defense, dog, you know where I'm from. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, that's true. So it's, it's, I've heard that kind of language before, <laughs> you, but you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta ask him what you say, bro. But uh, you know, it's all good, man. Great guy off the field, man. Everybody should get to know him. I love this running back room, Mike Boone. I'm so glad you're part of it, man. Thank you for the time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So that's Young Buck. That's a dude doing it now. A guy that was tremendous and a really good friend of ours is Wade Smith. Legend, part of the Legends community here with the Houston Texans. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Wade. Have always been as a player. His demeanor's perfect. Absolutely love talking to him. We had a chance to catch up with him and get his thoughts on the O-line, everything about training camp. And, man, he's got one stud daughter at Mississippi State. And he's got another one on the way to Rice. Uh, both playing volleyball. So we caught up with Wade Smith this morning. Check it out. Pro Bowl offensive lineman Wade Smith, another Legends community member. Wade, how's it going? I'm doing amazing, man. This is a, this is a great set, setup that the Texans got going on here. You got a full house. Um, first, well, this is going to be, the, I guess, the last day that they're not in pads. Correct. I guess they're going to be yeah. in pads tomorrow. So it's an exciting time to be a, a fan of the Texans, man. So Wade is an offensive lineman. I was thinking about this the last couple of days because I'm watching these defensive linemen just run up field. And I know the offensive linemen are like, hey, this is nothing I really can do. And so you see them stop at a run, and then I see the offensive linemen get chewed out. Uh, that's going to be such a frustrating existence. But how important was it for you guys to put the pads on to say, okay, defensive linemen, all that nonsense is over. Now we're both on equal footing. Let's rock. Yeah, you, you always want to be able – because in training camp, you're really not finishing every drill physically unless it's like goal line they try to keep people off the ground later in my career that was kind of the edict early in the career hey, it was it was it was it was like 2003 through about 2011 when the cba changed like it was full go but you know they try to keep guys off the ground but when you got your pads on and you're able to work into double team blocks and really feel what it's going to really feel like it's, it's different when you're doing double team blocks and you don't have any pads on you're still expected to execute the same, yep. but what it feels like to you is completely different. Right? It, 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 oh, okay. it, it can be it can be pretty physical and and painful on you to do it, but that's the, the adrenaline and bravado. Hey, you're gonna try to get your job done yep. regardless. So, um, it's it, it's definitely funner for the offensive lineman when you got your full pads on. Does the talk stop once the pads go on? Because I'd imagine in, in my years there was just all this talking, and there'd always be that one guy yapping, and you knew he was soft as tissue paper. But he wanted to tell everybody how big he was in pads, and then he got rolled in the talking stop. Does the talking stop the day after pads? So the, the talking never stopped when I was here because we had Antonio Smith. And Antonio <laughs> Smith, had he was the best type of talker that you could have. So you didn't mind his type of talk. Yeah. Like, that's ninja. So he's yeah. going to talk noise, and, and you're going to talk back. And, you know, me and him had our battles each and every day. We, we, you know, arms, iron sharpens yeah. iron. So I love that about it. That, that gets, keeps you going, just like D'Amico when he's – you know, great day to be alive, all yeah. that type of st stuff. Um, Cushing, we had, we had a lot of guys that didn't mind mixing it up and talking when we were here. So um, the, the main thing that bothers you with talking is when you're doing these, you know, practicing with the Saints or you're practicing with other teams and, and those guys start talking. Because oh, yeah. they know you wanna fin you're going to finish those guys off, and that's, yeah. that makes it fun as well. Well, what about Sean Cody, too? Because you mentioned some of the characters you had in your day yeah, here. And yeah. he would, I remember Thanksgiving <laughs> week practice, he had the – the pilgrim shoes i don't know he kind of drew them on his uh, taped feet with a sharpie and it looked pretty good yeah he always did santa claus costume with uh Vontae leach yeah one practice 
on a Friday. Stuff like that was really fun. He did a good job of keeping it light, and, and him and Myers, they had a arrangement worked out, so they made sure they made it look good throughout, <laughs> <laughs> throughout training camp. Um, but those guys, you could count on them that when it mattered, they were going to be ready to go. And so it, it, was, it was fun playing with, with Cody. Wade, when you hear people talk, and I know we've even mentioned this on the air, we say this a lot, like, oh, man, this is going to be the best offensive line since that group in 2011. And that is always kind of used, that 2011 team in particular, is kind of used as a benchmark team and, and a benchmark offensive line. And it seems like the years we move, we look back on it with even more respect that maybe we took it for granted how good you guys were in 2011. What made the group so good that you were with that year in particular? Um, I got to be honest with you, 2010 year, we were probably a little bit better than 2011 as far as offensive line. Yeah. People mm-hmm. recognized 2011 because we had team success. Right. And right. you really get the recognition as an offensive line when your team is doing well around you. But in 2010, the first game of the year, we ran for 231 yep. with Arian. And then sure, the next yeah. game, we threw for five-something with Shaw. Like, and we had the ability to go back and forth like that with that team. We could throw it around when we wanted to. We could run it when we wanted to. So um, I, I think it started that year. When I got there in 2010, four of the guys were returners. I was the new guy, and it was in an offense that I was pretty familiar with and, and a scheme that fit what I did to a T. So I was just me, you know, joining the group, and then we hit the ball, we hit the ground running. And from 2010 until, until 2013, we had a, a good run there of, of, of guys being healthy and being able to play at a very high level. And fortunately for us and for the team, we had a bunch of success along the way. Wade Smith joining us. Texans training camp live field side. Team still doing stretching type drills here. Just getting loose for the morning session. The only session of the day, as Wade said. No more two-a-days. Wade, I love talking to you about Oli because you played every position. Let's talk about, instead of rookies and what they're experiencing, what about Kenyon Green going into year two? Because year one was what it was. The team didn't win a lot of games. He had some moments. What happens to your body when you're a big guy in general, maybe D-line two, year one to year two, and you have a little more time to work on things? Well, you, you have a full offseason to, to be a professional athlete. You know, when you're a rookie coming in, you're, you're fresh off of doing a bunch of um, – you know, you're, you're going around the circuit of going to the draft and you're you're going to top 20 visits and you're training for the combine. And all those combine type drills aren't necessarily the type of training that you're going to do when you're getting ready to play um, an actual season. So it's just a little bit of a, a different uh, process that you're going through as, as a player. You're going to become more of a, a man, per se, going from one year one to year two because you're a professional athlete. You're training with professionals each and every day. And so the expectations change for you as well. Like, people don't have a lot of expectations out of rookies. But when you go into their second year, you've been there, you've done that, you've seen it, you've been in the fire. Now the expectations of you go up, and you're going to have to, you know, rise to the challenge. Wait, everybody talks about Laramie and, and, and Titus, and for good reason, those guys on the edges. You're always talking about those guys, you know, these great tackles, Laramie and, and uh, Titus. The addition of Shaq Mason, experienced, been around, He's interesting because when you look at him, you're like, he's 6'2", maybe, but he's built like a, a bleep brick house. Right. How important, but he can move. How important is it to bring over a guy like that and put him right next to Titus at right guard? Yeah, I, I love him at right guard, especially in this offense. He's a, he's a really good athlete. He anchors well, so he's going to be able to keep the pocket uh, clean, you know, the, the, the depth of the pocket clean for C.J. or, or Davis, whoever's that quarterback, he's going to be able to keep the pocket clean for those guys. 
um, and he's physical, and he and he and he, he plays with the right type of temperament. He's going to fit right into what D'Amico wants with his team. As guys, it's physical, and it's going to be attacking and get after people. So when you have a guy like that next to Titus Howard, who's had some success, and now he's going to have some stability next to him. Um, now that right side of the line, you're looking at it and you say, okay, this is this is a side of the line that we can count on. Tunsil is Tunsil. You know, he's, he's one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in the league. And so now you got a guy like Kenyon Green that's next to him or whoever's playing next to him. You know, those guys are going to they're gonna, they're gonna get help because they have somebody that's so good right next to him. So with the quarterback situation here and D'Amico's rotating the quarterbacks right now, we all know they drafted Stroud number two overall. How does that affect the rest of the team, whatever they're going through? Or are you just so focused on getting better as you, an individual, in the process? Yeah, at, at the end of the day, you're focused on yourself. You're focused on your group. You let the you let the people upstairs make those type of decisions of who's going to be in the huddle with you. But you're you're trying to earn the respect of your opponents and the people that are that are going to be next to you each and every day in practice, each and every rep. How you approach it, how you finish in plays, all that type of stuff. And you focus on those things, and everything else will work itself out. And I'm sure that the quarterbacks are have have to have the same mentality. Like when you get your opportunities and you get your reps, go in go in and produce, go in and do your job and do it at a high level. And when you do that, then you'll create opportunities for you to play. Wait, what do you have going on in your life right now that we need to know about? Oh, man. Well, Share everything. Well, 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 first of all, my, my, my oldest daughter is, is just uh, reported at Mississippi State University. She's a, uh, a student athlete there, volleyball player. My wow. second oldest daughter just committed to Rice University, so she'll be staying home here. Right, right up the street, about five minutes from here on and South Andy will be happy. Yeah, he, we, we, we talked already. He told her, hey, let, let her know that Uncle Andy has her back. <laughs> Anything she needs, we're good to go. So I'm excited about that. There's a lot of Rice Owl alums that are, that are in this city and a lot of connections there, so I'm excited for her. Um, you know, just being dad, man. I have four daughters. My wife is doing excellent. She's actually down there in Starford right now. And then, um, shoot, we're going to. Uh, Waysmith Foundation, we're doing stuff, reading with the pros, getting ready to, to ramp up for the new school year. So it's a lot going on in, in the Smith household. Great. Always a pleasure to visit, Wade. Thanks a lot. It's always real, fellas. That man is good people, Wade Smith. Also good people joins us every day at about 830. John McClain, the general, will join us next right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And it's time to catch up with the general, and we started the new signing the Texans made this morning. The Texans have signed Johnny, and I want to get your thoughts on him uh-huh. as well. Mr. Fant, a tackle. What do you read into this? Well, it means uh, they're worried about Charlie Eck. He's the third tackle. He's coming off knee surgery. Couldn't participate in the offseason program, and now they have him on physically unable to perform, which means when he can practice, he'll come off the list, but the problem is they got to have bodies. Fans a veteran, and that third tackle job is is wide open until Charlie Heck gets back. And when he comes back, you're not exactly sure, you know, what shape he'll be in because he's had a knee injury. But that's that's what I think it is, John. I absolutely agree with the general. Keep in mind that trial was a couple days ago. His original trial was a couple days ago, and he did not get a contract immediately. And you mentioned it. What happened yesterday in practice? Laramie went out for a bit. That put Killian Zaire over at left tackle with the ones. A rookie. A rookie who's only played football for seven years, which then, I mean, if you think about it, you play a lot of these guys who played since they were kids. He's only played it for seven years, so he's still learning the game, and you're putting him over there with the ones. Now, 
he might grow into because he's a whale of an athlete. He might grow into a starting player for you down the road. But when you don't have Charlie Heck, as John said, uh, you're using Deculus on the right side behind Titus, you got to have some depth. And George Fant's played for the Seahawks. He's, he played for the Jets last year. They've got some experience. Just There's some six degrees of George Fant that they can connect to that they probably knew. So they did the workout, bringing a vet, let him work out with the team. They still have Greg Little, too, um, which I thought was a, was a sneaky hot signing. So when they bring Charlie, that's one position, like corner, um, that I really – I don't care how you can bring them all the good ones in. People bring had as such, many of them in as possible. People had such high expectations for Greg Little when he came out of college. Yeah. I remember going into his last year, people were talking about him, and yet he's never panned out exactly like he wanted. So maybe he could come in here and give them depth, although I'm guessing if they'd seen out of him what they want to see, and I'm assuming he could play either side considering he's yep. been in the league, and yet they're playing a rookie with seven years of football experience ahead of Greg Little. Well, they must like what they see in Zaire. I mean, not yeah, for no a starting doubt. job, but Potential. just to help out. Yep. Because I think that any general manager, you're thinking, all right, I'm not thinking that I'm going to get a career out of this player, player X that I'm signing here or putting on my 90-man roster, but maybe I need a couple of games out of somebody. Maybe I need some snaps. Maybe I need one game. You know, we all see what happens when you have those games, like the Charger game in 21 where everybody's out. Now that was COVID. It was a weird situation. But the guys who played, played well. You won the game. Console never needs to play in preseason. I wouldn't put him on the field. Nope. Doesn't need to do it. No reps whatsoever. Let the young in guys fact, play in George Fan. In yeah. fact, so Find out what you got. I would say with Laramie, I would say, Laramie, you've got an injury. Sit down. You know, I wouldn't one of those play Titus things. either. Either one of those guys, I wouldn't do it. I just make sure that they're in, con- they're in condition, in hitting shape. That's, yeah. that's the key. They do have to get themselves in hitting shape. And timing. And, yeah. And that they can do a practice. But they can also do that with four joint practices, too. Yes. You know, right. they'll face Chubb. They'll face Jalen Phillips. Um, you know, they'll face uh, Cam Jordan uh, with the Saints. You know, they're going to get some work against some good guys. They just need to get themselves in hitting shape. But I'm if they're standing next to me with you know ball caps on during the games, I'm fine with Shaq that. Shaq Mason preseason. too. Absolutely, General. All three of them could sit right by me with ball caps. They need to broadcast with me if they wanted to. That'd be kind of fun. That isn't quite going to happen. But a big thanks to John McClain, Wade Smith, Mike Boone, ND Kalu. You know my man Mark Vandermeer and everybody listening. You guys are the best. Enjoy the day off, and we'll see you on Sunday. As always, go Texans.